songs. Hey everybody, welcome to Why Mommy Drinks. This is Betsy Stover, and today I am joined with two amazing people. Uh, the first is an author and a therapist, Jennifer Jackson. Hello. Hi, Betsy. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. And we also are joined by the founder and executive director of a nonprofit, Miri's List, Miri Whitehill. Hey, hey. Nice Hello. to see you today. Thank hear you. Miri and Jennifer are my mom friends from my mom's group, and they're also amazing people. And I'm so excited to have you on the show. So, I um so I have three kids. They're all boys. I have a five year old, a nine year old, and an eleven year old. Uh, Jennifer, what you got over there? I have one seven year old boy, human child, and a four month old puppy that I thought would be a good idea to take on. <laughs> sure, oh. <laughs> that's what I'm dealing with over here. <laughs> you know what? The pandemic has made us all insane. Um, so uh, I get it. And mm-hmm. you're, you may be a therapist, but it doesn't mean that you can't heal thyself. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, how many kids you got? What's, what's the situation? I have two. They are eight and five. Awesome. And do you have two little boys? Is that right? I do. I All do. right. I so this is only make balls. Here. Same. <laughs> I don't make any degrees. Uh, only balls. Oh my God, there's so much balls talk. I mean, maybe you all can uh, relate with all the balls in your lives. Um, <laughs> because there's so much balls talk at my house right now. Just like D's nuts, like blah, 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 balls. I mean, wait, your oldest is seven, Jennifer. And wait, what are your ages again there, Mary? Eight and five. Eight and five. Okay, so you're on the precipice, maybe, of all that. Um, but it's, I'm, I'm sorry to say, I think it might be coming. I just kind of, it is what it is. School. And I mean, unless you like homeschool them at a, you know, and only have church friends, I, I think it's just going to happen. <laughs> that that they, hard. at some time, they just come home and they're like, anyway, balls, 69, 420. And you're like, who? <laughs> What is happening? <laughs> so soon. Mine are just poop, 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 poop all day. Poop, yeah. penis. Yeah. My five-year-old's kind of there. Lots of, lots of that. Although thanks to his 11-year-old brother, it's, you know, more balls, more, more nuts. So the younger, younger ones are more advanced. <laughs> thank you to the elder one yes. in their ball talk. Gotcha. gotcha. Tale as old as time. Yes. There's, it's so, it's so crazy. Like our, our oldest kid, like never watched TV until he was like two. And our youngest kid watched you know star wars before he was four the just the the sophisticatedness of his media diet let's say is so much more uh you just can't not it is what it is as an advanced palate he is an advanced yeah let's say advanced palate let's say that let's say he had anything to do with what he has been uh, exposed to before his time. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'm not – I don't have a specific story this week. It's been sort of an ongoing thing in terms of what's been going on here. Uh, there is always someone home. Um, listeners know that I've been trying – to be home uh, without children. That's been my goal um, because we did have all that time in the pandemic where they were always here. Um, and it was really intense having three kids home for 24-7 for 18 months. Um, but uh, but yeah, so now that school has started, I was like, this is going to be great. There's going to be like five days a week and they're all going to be at school. It has not happened yet where they have all been at school for five days a week there is a child downstairs 
in my house. He is home because he threw up, and he's also home because there was a COVID scare at school. So it's just COVID scares and tummy aches, and I really would love everyone to be at school. We also had a um, <clears throat> family. We had we had three people visit uh, from my family for the last week or so. So it's just been a lot of, um, I don't know about you. I need, I need silence. I need quiet. Oh, absolutely. It's been a half of no silence whatsoever. Can't no. think. No. I got to say, I got to um, give a shout out to co-parenting in this mm-hmm. conversation because that really is a huge gift. Uh, and especially at a time like this, I have kid-free time in my house on a regular basis. I know when it's coming. I know, Actually, my kid's dad is going to be uh, going to Israel for a month starting tomorrow. So we're going to, you know, I'm going to be with them for a month. But usually, you know, every week I have that built-in time where I have my house with no kids in it. And it's <gasps> such a gift. I highly recommend co-parenting. You don't need to get divorced to co-parent too. You, <laughs> you could don't? have a co-parenting schedule inside a marriage. Yes. Wh- go on. What? Go yes. on. Explain. I'm, yeah, I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. all ears. <clears throat> also, okay. Well, first of all, you don't have to co-parent the entire week schedule. You can just decide that, okay, every other weekend is going to be a co-parenting weekend. And what mm. that means is that there's going to be a point person. That point person is the part is the person, and the other person knows exactly when they get to clock out, when they are going to be clocking back in, and also this is key: they know the next time they're going to be able to do the same thing, mm. and that is what freedom tastes like. <laughs> so instead of being like always the default parent, you actually can check out. Is the idea right? Oh, you get to have amazing. go from having kids to having no kids. Yeah. You have no kids. Co-parenting means you're a full-time parent and then you have no kids. It's weird, but it works. That's so (laughs) glorious. I see that you go camping and stuff, Miri. Does that mean are you taking – does that mean you are having kid-free camping? Fuck yes. Oh, that sounds amazing. I love kid-free camping. I love kid-free grocery storing. I love going <laughs> on a drive and climbing a mountain if I see one and it looks interesting. Wow. You don't have to do things around their schedule when they're somebody else's problem. And I I think I look back at, you know, how I went from basically single parenting in a marriage to being divorced and now co-parenting half yeah. with somebody else. I think that if my marriage had been different, I probably could have figured out co-parenting within that. And so if if you or anyone who's listening has a great marriage and an equal partnership, have the conversation. Let's talk about having one or two days a month that are co-parenting days where there's a, a point person and then the other person is checked out, no strings attached, and you don't oh. need to explain. You, don't, you also can plan or not plan. I'm going to have three days where I have no plans. That's, wow. that's also very freeing. That's glorious. Blowing my mind right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because I Just, think I've done that in pockets of time. Like, oh, I'm going to go out, so I get my time right before to get ready, and then I go. And then when I'm back, I'm back. And it's like, oh, she's home. And, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. all three come running. <laughs> like, but, leave me alone. But the difference, you need to know the next time you're going to get it. So yeah. if you do that on a schedule mm-hmm. where it's already on your calendar and you can even predict, okay, what am I doing in November, December, January? Oh, I can look. When is my when is my co-parenting days? And then and then you basically can actually relax if you know the next mm-hmm. time you're going to get it because yes. freedom isn't free if it's going to go away in a second and then you'll never yeah. get it back. Right. You can't relax yeah. into it. So that's my having, advice. Um, having family here uh, for the last week made me realize I mean I already didn't I already knew but it made it so much more um apparent how <laughs> broken my husband and I are and our whole family <laughs> we're just, we're still like reeling from the trauma of of the pandemic and um yeah. <clears throat> and just being stuck inside and being fearful all the time and it really did put that into stark contrast especially having 
relatives come from a part of the country where it's a lot less um, freaked out about the pandemic, I guess. You know, they're coming from the Midwest where it just shit didn't stop to a total standstill the way it did maybe out in California and Los Angeles. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and it, it really did make it clear like, oh, we're like animals here. We, uh, Me and my husband and my kids, we are just like um, – It. what made me think of it is how you were saying – you have to know that the time is coming ahead of time because that's a big part of it is that we are – I was saying to my husband, um, my, my dad and my stepmom, they, they watched the kids so that we could go out to lunch and that was like a big deal. We have had two dates. That was our second date in the last like year and a half. Um, yeah. and, uh, and so it's been – just no one is getting their needs met and we are just at this like kind of – we're anim- We're just like, well, I can't speak for him, but I can speak for myself <clears throat> that I'm just this animal like drowning, clawing at anyone who gets close because I'm just like so desperate for like alone time or getting my needs met that um, uh, that I, I feel bad because I, I want to be a better partner and I want to be a better mom, but I'm so desperate just to... Uh, get you know a moment that when I do get a moment it's so like weird and desperate and fraught that I'll just like lay on the couch and like play a game on my phone because I'm like I don't know when I'll get another chance Um, and you really can't sort of give that long um, sort of like what am I trying to say that long-term focus of like I'm gonna plan out an activity or I'm gonna go and meet friends you're just like okay i got a moment no one's homesick today oh god and uh i i am finding myself like very um overwhelmed and paralyzed in the moments that i do when the kids finally are all at school by just the enormity of what needs to be done that i oftentimes don't do anything because i am just so like i finally like no one's asking me for food or no one's yelling at me about unloading the dishwasher that I want to like take advantage. Anyway, that was a crazy big sort of like vomit of what has been breaking me. But I, I guess that, I guess if I had to say what, what it is, that's what's been really breaking me lately. It's like your nervous system is shot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it really does then, feel like yeah. it's the it's a reaction to the trauma that we are yeah. all kind of coming out of slash still totally in. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I rem- remember feeling this sort of animal way after having my first kid, feeling like uh, not human for months after that, and it's a similar feeling. Of just like getting by, surviving. Yeah. <sighs> it ain't cute and it ain't funny, but that's where we're at. <clears throat> Do I either of you think it's so when, relatable? Uh, I they, keep wondering oh, that's, when that. <laughs> that's I'm a sorry, relief no, to hear go. you say that, Mary. <laughs> sometimes I'll say crazy shit like that and I'm like, maybe no one can relate to that. And they're like, that is a sad oh. story, Betsy. And you are a sad person. Um, and it's good to know when, when it's a sad story and I'm a sad person, but also that it's relatable. It's, it's relatable. I think we're all like also just relearning social skills. Yes. And as adults and you know, at whatever age you're at, but we, this, this whole past 18 months has really been like a social reset in a way that was very much a shock to the nervous system. Like the. Like the psychotherapist said it. <laughs> I mean, Jennifer. <laughs> but like, that's so, that's so true. I feel like I'm, it was such a shock. And now it's the, after, the after effects of that. Yeah. Well, and I don't know about you all, but I will sometimes see that other people in my life are doing like social things. And I'm like, oh, is that where we're at? Are we all doing that? 
And then I'm like, am I ready to be doing that? Should I be doing that? And then, I, yeah, it's it sort of sends me for a bit of a loop. Uh, I feel like I should be out there doing social things, but I don't know if I'm... I mean, as an introvert, there were parts of this last year and a half that I really enjoyed because mm-hmm. I was able to turn off that, like, that critical part of myself that's always saying, oh, you should be wanting to do more. Everyone else is doing more. Why aren't you out there doing this and that? And yeah. it's like, but I don't, I don't want to. I like being home or I like... I just like, I, I mean, I love my friends and I love going places and doing things. It's not that, it's just, it wears me out. And part yeah. of my job is being on and being able to go deep with people and that can be tiring and I need to be alone to sort of fill that back up. And I haven't yeah. been alone in a year and a half. Yeah. So it's like, there's been this weird combination of like, all I can handle is keeping my people and animals alive at home right now (laughs) and so the idea of like popping back into social things I'm just having to go super slow like a coffee a hike a lunch uh, you know it's it's hard it's it's a relief to hear you say that Jennifer because that's where I'm at too um yeah I like being by myself and I'm an I am an introvert who has very extroverted uh, hobbies and jobs. Uh, <laughs> and I need that time to, for everyone just like to go the fuck away from me. Um, and stop when you don't have that talking to me, like, that's what I'm going to have a sign. Just like, shh, quiet. Yes. <laughs> that's what I want. If someone make, please make me a t-shirt and send it to me. Uh, I'm wearing an XXL now these days. So, uh, send it please as soon as possible that just says, stop talking to me. I mean, I guess I could make one with a marker, but you know. So, would one of you I'm like wearing, to? Oh yes, I, I'm wearing a t-shirt. You can't see me on because my, my video is not working. But it, my t-shirt says "Resist, Persist, Mary's List." Yeah, maybe we can make one for you that says "Resist, Persist, Stop Fucking Talking to Me." I love it. Does that have a good ring to it? <laughs> persist. Wait, which comes first, resist or persist? Re- resist first resist, resist persist. How about just persist speaking to me <laughs> <laughs> persist shutting the fuck up uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mary's list uh, is a thing I'll tell you about later when we're done shutting up <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that it's hard not it's yeah Sometimes you do find those pockets of alone time and then someone walks into the room. Sometimes even my husband, who I love and I want to talk to him, but sometimes I'll be doing something and he will walk in and you feel that that energy of someone who's here to talk to you and who's sort of like <laughs> looking at you and waiting for you to look up so that you can be like, yes. And sometimes I will not look up because I'm just like, I just don't want to. I don't want to talk. To, and then it's like him, and you're like, yes. <laughs> you're trying to give all the signs that. So yeah, I guess we just need a shirt that says "Resist, Persist," um, and and don't fucking talk to me right now. <sighs> you know, co-parenting works for that too. <laughs> I. What you're telling me is that I need to. I mean, I know that you said don't get a divorce, just a co-parent. But also yeah. what you're saying to me is that um, is that I could be alone sometimes. I'm It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a very um, sexy offer. Yeah. Yeah. You're not you're not my only friend who is co parenting and has made that sound pretty pretty sexy. Uh, the idea of being alone for portions of the week sounds amazing. Um, could, could one of you please tell me, uh, a story or tell all of us really a story of a, of something that's broken you or a time that, that, uh, parenthood has, has driven you to drink literally or figuratively. Who's up for it? I, I, I'll, I'll, uh, tell you about the time I threw my kid's shoes away. I love it. <laughs> this sounds good already. Go for it, Mary. Um, so my youngest, he's five, and he is a very, very physical being. He's also, he's 
in the process as we all are, are of learning how to manage our feelings and how to manage big feelings inside and how mm. to, you know, not let all of them come out physically on the people we love. So uh, he's he can be a hitter, a grabber, a pincher, you know, a thrower, a, you know, all of these things that are, um, you know, WWE moves. That's Oof. that's his um, that is his uh, like inspiration he's just like a wwe guy um, does he actually watch it or is that just kind of where he's at well i honestly i don't know what you know this is the other side of co-parenting i have no idea what he sees at his dad's house and i think there's video games i think that there's moves i think that he's learning moves because i see him developing in the way that he can pick up a chair and i'm like wow that at, th- at this point it doesn't look like anger it just looks like this is now a move um, oh he's just doing choreography so- <laughs> I mean, what that means is that, you know, for the last few years that this has been, you know, a struggle for us, like I have gone through trying a lot of different things on how to manage to be his support person when he's at a point where he wants to be physically violent. And, you know, I've tried a lot of different things. And um, at one point, you know, I got so frustrated with him throwing things um, at people violently and as weapons, taking things that aren't supposed to be weapons and making them weapons. I told him I made a, I made, I set a boundary and I let him and our, my other son know, knowing, knowing that like this wasn't going to be a problem for him. I said, if we pick up something in the house, that's not a, that, and, and use it as a weapon, that thing will go in the garbage. Yeah. It won't be, it just won't be in our house anymore because it, once it's a weapon, it doesn't belong here. So... <laughs> So then, so then, like a week or two later, uh, we're, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get home from the park and like, oh, wait, and really quick, Mary, do you have the, does this happen to you? Um, when, when one of my children is, uh, enacts violence upon another one of my children, there's a special kind of rage within that, that comes out right because you're like oh Mm -hmm. how dare you hurt my child but it's so weird because it's also you are my child do you know what i mean does that happen to you it's very confusing it is right it's it's like i want to stop you i I don't want to hurt you but i want to like jump on you for like trying to hurt someone or me it's confusing I find there's a weird mama bear thing that happens when one of my kids hurts another one of my kids. That is, it's so bizarre. Yes. Sorry. Go on. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's kind of like you see a dog, like, it's like a (gasps) dog fight and like, you're not supposed to be getting in the middle of it, but it's your kid. So you're like, oh my God, I'm in the middle of it. And (laughs) (laughs) so anyway, so that's why I'm all mangled. Yeah. So <laughs> emotionally, emotionally mangled. Yeah. So, Girl so uh, physically, I'm at my peak, and <laughs> so, so I'm leaving the park with my two kids, and my youngest doesn't want to go. It's been very, it's you know, it's it's been you know an hour of trying to leave, and just multiple, you know, <gasps> it's been really hard. And then finally, we get into the car. He's just so angry, and he takes his shoe and he throws it at my head. <gasps> and it hit me in the head. And so Not cool. I just, I just couldn't. I just like, I immediately like I, cause I had been going an hour reasoning with him. I was like, we have to leave. I gave him a heads up, the transitions, the tying, you know, all of it, yeah. you know, explaining <laughs> through that thing at my face. And I, all of the holding it back just went away. And I didn't even yeah. like get red hot. I got white hot. I like, didn't even fit my face didn't even change i just took the shoe staring at him in the eyes i get out of the car they're they're in the car <laughs> sheila is in the car with us my partner she's just watching all this she didn't know what was going to happen mary i have such a boner for your parenting right now this is so amazing i love the idea of just not even getting mad just picking up the shoe looking at them and going to the trash can is so amazing okay the eye on, contact the eye contact is what just is like, making it for me right now oh, just like it was <laughs> it was it was a power move i and the, oh, the closest garbage can was a dumpster and so I looked at him in the eyes, dropping his so shoe better. in the dumpster. <gasps> I come back to the car. 
he's just silent. He is in complete shock. He, and then and then I just turn the car on and I start leaving. I don't no explanation. That's it. We go oh, home. You, you had already and given him he, an explanation long ago. So yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, multiple times. Yeah. No, he knew exactly what was happening. He was stunned. He was completely stunned. And and by the that was that was that had to be six months ago. Um, it did not stop him from using things as weapons. But now he knows that I'm serious. Yeah. Also, he's now like, oh well, when I want to throw something, I'm gonna take one of your things. So you have to throw away your thing. And I'm like, oh, I God. am going to make a policy about that. Oh, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what it is yet, but there. W- it, honestly, That's a no, really he's, smart loophole. <laughs> I know he's it's it's, it's a problem it's a the kids the the thing about children is like they're problems that you created with your own body so like all of the problems and solutions have been already created and and it's just very it's so yeah I I that's definitely um you know something that's talked about a lot sometimes my son will be like laying in bed late at night having a hard time falling asleep and he'll be like but why did you throw away my shoe and like it, it's something that has stuck with him. It like he, he you really drove me to it. I hope that's what you said. Yeah. <laughs> I said, you "Well, do you remember cool. why I why I threw your why I threw away your shoe?" And oh, yeah, it's it's hard. Oh my god, that is hilarious! And then it sucks. Well, moment. wait. Now, depending in my house, not everyone always has more than one pair of shoes at a time because <laughs> it's sort of like. They don't, you know, they're not fashionistas. It's just like, these are your shoes. You wear these. Are your shoes. Um, was that an issue at your house? <laughs> were you, were they like, now I have no shoes to wear? And you were like, that's so sad for you. I should say too, it's not because we can't afford shoes. It's just sort of like, why have them? I don't know. It didn't make, we just don't have lots and lots of shoes. Because why? Hmm? Yeah. He didn't have another pair of shoes. And, <laughs> and wait, clarifying question. You only threw one shoe away, right? Yeah. Yes. 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 The other one wasn't a weapon. It wasn't a weapon. <laughs> I left him with the other weapon so he could. <laughs> As a reminder of what you did. <laughs> it was a real Cinderella story about. Terrible oh. parenting. <laughs> Cinderella story. Oh, a prince came to the house later. Oh, excuse me. He found this in a dumpster. A I'm looking for the sassiest child in the land. Oh, my God. That is yeah. so yeah. funny. I think I have to say, and I say this knowing that we all grew up with, um, well, I can't say for everybody, but a lot of us grew up with parents who were very okay with us being scared of them. And that was part of their like, you know, uh, parenting strategy. Um, I have to say there's, there is something I think that's really just fine with kids being like, this bitch is crazy. And I'm not quite sure what she might do if I push her over the edge. I think that's exactly. good because, yeah, yeah, I'm pointing to myself. This bitch is crazy, and I don't know what mm-hmm. I might do if you push me too far. So, like, don't poke the bear, kids. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm. I love that you followed through on that so much. You can't throw some. Yeah. If this was a rock, that would be the biggest, most shameful thing you could do is to throw a shoe at someone. Um, yeah. So, and exactly. I know it's not a rock, but it's still not cool. Yeah. I yeah. um, I think it's important to, that they know that you know they can take some of some of my threats seriously because I will follow <laughs> through on some of them inconsistently. Yes. Occasionally, right that's a gorgeous story thank you for sharing that mary i love that so much how did your how did your son go anywhere for a while after that did you make him walk around without uh with just one shoe on (laughs) he um had some uh we call them outside shoes flip-flops 
um, flip flops until we got a new pair of shoes. I took mm-hmm. him to the store. You know, it was kind of the resolution of it all was, you know, I took him to the store and, you know, he picked oh. out a pair of shoes that, that worked for him. And, you know, and then, you know, also, you know, kind of coming back to co-parenting, I'm like, I wonder how this is going to be <laughs> talked about. <laughs> Ema threw away my shoe. Where's your shoes? Ema threw away my shoe. Oh, why did she do that? I don't know what that conversation was like, but I, you know, I hope that they gave me some, I hope I didn't sound like the complete bad guy, but I'm sure I did. <laughs> Dude, I think part, being, being a mom is being the bad guy uh, more often than you would want. Yeah. Want? Yeah. Yeah. Want. Uh, amazing. family loves listening to podcasts in the car. But for obvious reasons, I don't play my kids my podcast. That's why I'm excited because Wondery has put out a new podcast called Melon's House Party. It's a musical podcast for the whole family to enjoy together. Melon is an eight-pound dog with a thousand-pound heart. And she and her friends, when their humans are away, have a party. With show-stopping songs, endearing characters, and laughs for all ages, that's the important part, this is one party you won't want to miss. On Melon's house party, all the objects in the house can sing. From the couch to the fridge, Melon is our ears and our eyes in the magical musical world that is right beneath our noses. Join the adventure as Melon and her best friend, Couch... That is dog's best friend, isn't it? It's not humans, it's the couch. So join the adventure as Melon and her best friend, Couch, go viral on the internet. Or follow along as Melon runs for mayor of her dog park. Each episode will keep you laughing and singing along. With a memorable cast of characters, Melon's House Party is a musical adventure your family won't want to miss. Listen to Melon's House Party on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or you can listen ad-free and early right now by subscribing to Wondery Plus Kids in Apple Podcasts or Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Jennifer, you want to tell us a story of a, of a time that uh, parenthood broke you? Oh my gosh. This child has been breaking me since before birth. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just set up so he was a preemie. He was born three months early. Whoa. So I was hospitalized for a while. And um, and there was all the stuff that comes with what happens when you have a preemie who's that little, you know. And uh, so we get through that. And years of physical therapy. And he's doing great now. He's just amazing. He's, like, thriving and such a joy, mostly, as long as he's aiming. <laughs> In the toilet. Yeah. I'm about ready to paint. I'm about Preach. ready to drain my toilet and paint a target at the bottom of it because I have oh. to clean my bathroom every freaking day. So okay, oh, anyway. God, wait, pause for a second. <laughs> God bless Jennifer that you haven't given up. Um, <laughs> again, I have three boys uh, in my house. The the toilets, the bathrooms. Oh. It just they smell like pee. It will always be wet at the base. Anything that is within a foot of the side of the toilet will be covered in piss. And that's just a fact. When Um, does it stop? That's my question. I don't when know. When leave home? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, part of me feels racked with guilt because it's like you're going to go out in the world and not know how to pee. I don't know, man. My 11-year-old still – I mean, we have finally gotten to a point now where – um, I had to figure out who it was that, <laughs> sorry, someone had been peeing and when they peed was somehow missing the mark so that, so much so that they were peeing like up and splashing all over the seat. Mm. Like that's how badly they were aiming. It wasn't even into the water. It was like up on the seat somehow. And so when I would go to use the bathroom, it would be covered in pee. And I was like, how the fuck is this even happening? It doesn't make any sense. And I finally figured out who it was and I told him to stop. And it stopped for the most part. But this morning I watched him get like out of bed and go to the bathroom. And they all, no one holds their dingling. Everyone just stands there. And then they're looking <laughs> all around. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> This is why uh, yeah. the trash can next to the toilet oh, it just has a puddle on it all the time. <laughs> yes. Oh, so oh. gross. <sighs> anyway. 
Yeah. <sighs> well, okay. So we get through the early years of what it means to have a preemie. And now, like I said, he's doing great. And then the pandemic hits. We're like, oh, this is fun. This is like a little, like bringing up some you know, memories of just that fear of like, okay, keeping someone safe. And yes. So then we get through that for the most part, like, you know, we're, I think light at the end of the tunnel, there'll be a vaccine for kids and kids seem to be faring well. So, you know, all right, back in school functioning. Then this child gets stung by a bee a couple weeks ago and he starts going, Oh, I'm hot. I'm hot. And I was just like, He's never had this reaction before. It's always just been like, get the stinger out, put some stuff on it. You're fine. So they've been stung by a bee before. Yes, several times. And he turns bright red. He's got hives coming up his legs, up his body. (gasps) His face blows up. And I'm like, get him the Benadryl. Like before he can't swallow, I get him just a little, like something to like help him like function. I'm like scrambling. It just like put me in this like, I do really well in a crisis for the most part. So I'm just like, get the Benadryl, get this, call a like We're bringing in a child with a you know, possible anaphylactic shock. And I was like driving there while well, my husband was driving. I was Amazing. sitting in the backseat of the car watching his face get more and more <gasps> swollen. Like he could barely talk. And I was like, Even though he had had Benadryl, yes, he was still swollen. <gasps> yes. It, it, I'm sure it helped a tiny wow. bit, but like it's just not enough. Holy and shit. I'm like, are you? fucking kidding me that after being born three months early two pounds right making it through that getting through like a global pandemic a fucking bee who we have been protecting and planting like little like bee flowers in the backyard thinking like we're doing something this jerk we have been you know protecting the bees for like the oh my god and i'm like this is what's going to take us down a fucking bee after everything that broke me on one hand, I was just like, it was just a cycle of such fear and then relief. Mm-hmm. And the hospital did an amazing job. They gave him an IV and he was so brave and just was like, okay, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> he was amazing. And then oh. something amazing happened. I think, you know how we were talking about the pandemic and like just the overwhelm of it all. And I've just been going through so much, as as has everyone, with trying to stay safe and protect our kid and work. And I've started, you know, like a new career during this time. And also, uh, which we can talk about later, but, you know, Mary and I getting a book underway. And it's just been a lot. But then under this constant pressure of this perceived fear of what's out there. This like mm-hmm. beasting thing, as much as it broke me, it also like saved me because I'm like, oh, that's real danger. Like we, mm. he could have died and he didn't and we got him the hope he needed. And it was like, it broke me. And I was just like, it completed a stress cycle that's been going on for a year and a half. Oh. I like came out of it feeling, okay we're almost there. I can do this. I can do it. I can work. I can get them through. I can do it was the strangest thing. So it was like, wait, so why is that? Do you think it was sort of like, it was a reminder that we just have to capitulate to the moment or that sort of shit's going to happen regardless? Or is it, is it that you were saying the sort of our involvement with the pandemic in a lot of ways is almost theoretical because we're not like like can you unpack that a bit yeah I think it's all of those things and I think everyone has their own um, emotional response but I think one thing that we don't talk about enough is the the literal like nervous system response to this fear and danger that we've been presented with for all this time yeah. If if you know for people who really took it seriously, we were locked down for a long time and we're, you know, afraid to be around people and we're masked and we're distant and then when we have to go back whether to work or school, there's that fear of contact. And just this constant barrage of um trying to figure out what's dangerous. I mean, we're not meant for that kind of long-term stress. Stress. Yeah. That is geared toward danger. I mean, even yeah. You know, so it, I think it's that and like we're living in that, that ramp up 
and plateau of, of fear and stress and never finishing the cycle. Usually it's like yeah. if there's something dangerous like that might kill us, we fear it, we go through it, and we cycle back to neutral. Within yeah, we a get out of danger. Of and then we're car, like, car accident, Phew. house fire, someone yeah. has an illness, even for a few months, even for a year, like a terminal illness that they think, and then they revert. It's like healed or you lose that person you love. I, I, yeah. I lost a parent during the pandemic and it was, it was expected, but it was still really hard. And yet it was like, oh, that's, I knew that was coming. And so I was somehow prepared, but it was, it's like the extended, just constant plateau of fear and danger and worry and trying to do everything that we're expected to do on top of it, you know, be social, work, (laughs) engage, be normal. Like, I mean, you know, we're expecting ourselves and each other to just be super normal after all of this. When we just, when we get groceries and we're like, I guess I got to clean all the groceries (laughs) off. Yeah. Cause I'm terrified the groceries might kill us. I mean, I remember wiping down groceries in the beginning of this all. I was like, is this life now? All right, and my so, husband would go out and yeah. spray them all down with bleach. Yeah. Right? What? It was crazy. It was crazy. Well, so thank God it, it we was... at least have a better sense of it now of like right. what we are fearing. But there were there was a long time there where we were just like, I guess everything is scary and everything will kill us the end. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. And we're just like sitting in that of like, oh, and what's the next yeah. variant? What's the next worry? Is this going to get worse? Is it going to get better? What's safe? What's not safe? And... Um, yeah. And, and a I, lot of, for, and a lot of us had been feeling that way for years, even before the pandemic, a, a yes. sort of constant sense of, um, fear and outrage yeah. and stress. Fear and uh, outrage and stress, particularly if you are in any kind of, um, community that is, that was under threat mm-hmm. and on a, on a different level. And so it's just, that it was that constant, um, fear all the time. And I, so I think it literally just like I cycled through a severe um, response, Mm. like in a good way of like, okay, and now I'm back to, it was just like being face to face with something that really could have been the end. And then go, you know, like, oh, okay, it's, I can handle this again. Yeah, I don't, I think it's, I think it's just beyond, it, it was just a physiological, chemical, cortisol, like, it's just that typical response that we that we normally would go through like after a car accident so you're scared you're shaken you're in shock you start to calm down you cycle back and you're okay because you had resolution yeah right there's been no resolution for 19 months right yeah (laughs) so we're just sitting in that like that thing so anyway I think that's what happened for me specifically in this scenario um, and then now, you know, and he, he was so brave and he was just, he did an amazing job of, um, he's very scientific. So he was really like, what's in this, what's in this IV? What, what, you know, so I was explaining yeah. what the medications were doing. And, um, then he, of course, basically passed out from all the Benadryl. Um, and, and now he's great. We have the EpiPen and the end of story. <sighs> like, hopefully that's just the end. Um, so yeah, <sighs> I would say that that was that on one side broke me and on the other like brought me back to life a little bit you know in a very good way wow I didn't know that could happen that a kid could be stung by bees it's totally fine and then one time just stung by a bee and it's not fine that's what they said that you can build up it can get worse and worse and then one time it'll just be like poof you're done (laughs) holy shit what yeah oh my god and this was like eight o'clock at night was why I was really in shock too. I was like, what? what? Why are you, first of all, why are you out in the backyard barefoot at eight at night? And second of all, I'm tired. Mama wants to watch her shows. I got to watch my stories. Come I thought on. you were going to bed and now you have to go to the hospital. Come on. Bye. <laughs> Poor guy indeed. Poor mama. I'm glad, though, that it gave you – that's really interesting that the trauma of it somehow did give you closure and a resolution to the trauma of the last year and a half. That's fascinating. I mean, I don't Uh, recommend it. (laughs) No? Well, I guess I'll have to call my kids back from the apiary then. Shit. Um, Hey, both of you, can you tell us all about your – the book that you wrote together? Yeah, Mary, do it. Yeah. 
Um, well, this is like, it's probably been about three years in the making at this point. Um, our book is called Our World as a Family. It is a picture book about why people move around the world as refugees and how we can make our neighborhood and classrooms more welcoming for newcomers. Uh, it is a age appropriate and honest explanation of the situation that creates uh, the need for migration of, of people. Um, the themes of the book um, are ones that um, came up for me as I, you know, founded a organization working with a lot of refugee families. Um, my kids were meeting people from all over the world who were in different circumstances, going to people's homes, and, you know, they could notice that their living rooms didn't look like our living rooms, and uh, explaining Mary, to, yeah. Mary, can you tell everyone what Mary's List is, the nonprofit that you founded and that you're the executive director of? Yeah, of course. Um, so Mary's List is a nonprofit working with families who are resettling in the United States uh, through the Federal Refugee Admissions Program. Most of our families come from countries like Afghanistan and Syria. Um, it's a five-year-old organization that I began while I was taking a break from my career in advertising to be home with my kids. And um, I did not plan to start a nonprofit, but uh, circumstances in my life led me to meeting a family who had just moved to L.A. Uh, three weeks before I had met them. Uh, I was visiting them in their home. Um, they had come from Syria. They had a five-month-old baby like I had at the time. Um, they also had five-year-old twins. Uh, so there was, uh, you know, mom and dad and these three kids living in a house that was just, you know, very obviously um, un underfurnished. Um, yeah. Just, you know, they didn't have basic things and then also you know comfort things um, yeah and I really I, are wanted, I wanted to help them families are are leaving their their home countries seeking amnesty seeking safety for their children just like anyone would and they're coming here with literally the clothes on their backs yeah is this safe to say yeah, well, especially right now with the Afghan humanitarian crisis, we have unprecedented numbers of families who are coming without anything except documents. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very uncomfortable to be living in a hotel room with no luggage or more commonly in an empty apartment. We meet families mm -hmm. who got here in the last 30 days, 60 days, 90 days from Afghanistan who have been living in empty apartments. Um that's the reality. That's also yeah. not legal. And I know that this podcast is about why mommy drinks, but this is why humankind drinks this reason, mm -hmm. you know, it is not legal for families to be dumped in empty apartments, but it happens pretty much across the board. And we, we work with families in 17 states. So this is not a situation that we're finding only in one area of the country. This is nationwide. And the reason why this happens is I'm going to try to explain it to you in 90 seconds or less, okay? Okay. During the Trump administration, he lowered the refugee admissions cap, which means the number of refugees that are allowed to come to the United States was at a historic low. Year after year, Trump lowered that number. The reason why that has created the situation that we're in today is because the refugee program in the United States is funded the way public schools are funded. It's based on attendance, which means that when we have record low numbers of refugees coming because of a federal immigration policy that is xenophobic and racist and anti-immigrant, um, the ripple effect is, well, between 2017 and 2020, across the country, over 150 licensed resettlement agency offices closed. So now we what? are in Say that one more time. I'm having okay. trouble wrapping my head around mm -hmm. that. Say that again. Between 2017 and 2020, more than 150 licensed resettlement agency offices closed across the country. Whoa. That means that their, their buildings Whoa. were leased to other companies. They let go of their caseworkers. Oh. That's, um, that is why 
Trump was not just lowering the number of refugees coming to this country, he was dismantling the system of support available to refugees when they get here. And he was, he was right. successful in that. And that wasn't and necessarily something that people realized while it was happening. And it's rough, too, because I think refugees sometimes just out in the media uh, get kind of lumped in with, like, somehow when when a, a lot of Americans think of refugees, they're not picturing, um, you know, people fleeing Afghanistan um, where they will be uh, murdered for supporting American policies, for example. Uh, but they, you know, we, we imagine... I don't even know what, like uh, Mexicans at the border uh, fleeing gangs, like, the, I mean, well, which is to say they, they are also seeking amnesty. But I think um, somehow it's gotten very muddied in the conversation that we yeah. have about what it means to be a refugee. Um, you know, our, that our, is so true. Our country that, is that's was a. Uh, is made of refugees. <laughs> if you're I, Irish, um, if you're Jewish, if you're, I mean, we, there are so many of us whose ancestors came to this country to, f because you were, they were fleeing violence, persecution. They were refugees, but yeah, somehow, oh, somehow oh. the conversation has gotten fucked along the way. That, that's exactly right. Actually, the modern day program for refugees in the United States, and, and by the way, here's how it works. The State Department licenses nine agencies to do the work of resettling refugee families when they get here. Um, those nine agencies will assign a caseworker to each family. All of those, all of the refugees that are coming to this country are doing so with permission from the State Department. Mm -hmm. We do not have any other options for people to come to this country as refugees except with permission of the State Department. So mm -hmm. people just kind of lump all sorts of groups of people together because it's, I don't know, easier or it's less, less work to think about it that way. But the yeah. reality is in the United States, there is no such thing as an illegal refugee. And that's, yeah. that's a fact. That is how our yeah. system is set up. And the system is set up this way. It was developed just after World War II. When boats full of mostly Jewish refugees were coming to this country, those boats were, a lot of them were sent back. And a lot of those people were subsequently murdered by the Nazis. Yeah. And that was this uh, emergency, that was what was happening in the world when our modern day refugee program was developed. It was, right. it was designed for a different world. Um, we are now in... It's 2021. We have a, a President Biden. He has a completely different immigration policy than our last administration. But, you know, like I, I mentioned earlier, this system is, is funded like like public schools based on attendance. And so when the Biden administration took office and one of the first things that they did was increase the refugee admissions cap, they said there's going to be five times more refugees coming to the United States this year than were last year. That's wonderful. That's what we want. We want we want the reopening of the system. But imagine if across Los Angeles, 150 schools closed in a year, and then the first thing to do to repair would be to increase the number of students by 5x. <laughs> Holy shit. Before leasing new schools, painting classrooms, hiring teachers, figuring out what lunches are, the kids are going to eat. Right. These families that are coming between now and, and December 31st, 2021, there's going to be more refugees resettled in the United States in the next six weeks than were the entirety of last year. And they're coming to an environment where we have the fewest available federal resources mm. for refugees. That is why the families that we meet, that we're enrolling, the 60 Afghan families that we've enrolled in the last two months, all except seven of them were families living in apartments without beds. All but mm. seven did not have enough just of the basics. It's not legal, but that's the situation because that's what the last four or five years has been like for refugees. So before we even uh, finish talking about the book, um, how can people help these families and how can they uh, give to Mary's List and help the situation? I mean, there's there's so many ways to get involved and just going to our website, which is miryslist.org, M-I-R-Y-S-L-I-S-T, um, it's like Mary, but with an I. Um, that 
is going to be just a great start because you can send a housewarming gift directly to a family from our website. It takes less than five clicks to be able to do that, and it's really fulfilling. You're going to be able to help that family directly. You can even write a gift message to let them know, welcome to America. This is why mommy drinks. Um, you, don't, you, can, you can write whatever you want on that. I'm not even going to see it. It's going to go directly to the family. Um, also, we have an emergency action fund set up specifically so we can respond to the emergency needs of these Afghan families that were that we're enrolling every day. We are enrolling new families who, some of whom came on military planes, standing with their children in their arms without anything with them. And it is getting cold across the country. A lot of our families are in Virginia. Um, we need to be able to take action quickly. So supporting our emergency action fund for Afghan families is really, really what we need. Um, and I don't see that going away. I don't think that this is going to stop being an emergency for many, many months. Mm -hmm. And then, if so please go to maryslist.org and you can donate, you can send uh, housewarming gifts and things that families need uh, to, uh, to help them acclimate to their new life in America. We can all be good hosts uh, and good neighbors. Um, as, uh, as someone who grew up with a dad who's a pastor, that all feels very fitting. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, they are, they are strangers in a strange land. Let's help them out. And um, uh, tell us about the book then and how, you know, your your ethos uh, with, with the nonprofit works into this book that the two of you have made together. Well, I'll, I'll kick it over to Jennifer, but you know, I, you know, I was in the midst of, uh, running and starting a nonprofit, building a nonprofit and running a nonprofit, helping refugees, um, while my kids were very little. And so I was in the situation where I had to kind of find a way that I could explain to my kids, honestly, what's happening for their friends in a way that wouldn't scare them and keep them up at night, but also in a way that would empower them to be able to help their friends. Um, and ultimately, you know, I found the words that really worked and resonated with my kids. Um, that is um, where the kind of seedlings of this book began um, on my end. And then Jennifer just popped into my life. You know, we met, we know each other through our, our mom's group. And, um, you know, I am, you know, very much immersed in the day-to-day -day operations of running Mary's List. I don't have the ability to sit down and think, what would this look like as a book? Uh, but then I met Jennifer. So what happened next? <laughs> um, I think we talked and we're both just like, yes, there's something here, but what is it? And we, we didn't know right away. And then I think the more Miri was doing that work with her own kids of explaining it and then starting to work with kids in elementary schools, um, sort of talking about migration and um, the story emerged, I think, of, of how to talk about it in a beautiful way that says, how can we welcome new people and any new people anywhere? So even if you don't personally have an experience with um, a, someone who is arriving as a refugee and resettling in America, you might have new neighbors from anywhere. There might be differences mm -hmm. between you and your neighbors, whatever that is, but especially when someone has traveled a long way to a new place that is so different from, from what used to be their home. How, how can you welcome them and help them feel loved and safe and, mm -hmm. and that their presence in your life is important, that they matter? And we were you know, talking about how it can be sharing food, it can be giving gifts, sharing your languages, how to talk to each other, how to just say hello, how to say, I'm here, I'm here for you, I'm here to play, I'm here to laugh, um, even just a smile to start as you make those inroads to helping people feel you know, wanted and loved and that's how it kind of came about. Um, I think Mary was working with how to put language to all of that. And then she said, oh, I think I know. And we started playing with the how to tell that story and what the art might look like. And then we were so lucky to have an incredible agent, Carrie Hannigan, who was able to um, find a good home with Sourcebooks um, kids. And um, they just matched us with like a dream illustrator, Nomar Perez. And awesome. he is absolutely incredible and um, brought everything well, here, to life. 
just just to get us on track, because I know that Mary has to run off and do yes. uh, like a interview with CNN or something fancy uh, like that. Cause she's a lady who's got some business. Uh, really quick. So what what um, a lady who's got some business? I don't know. Um, yeah. Who, who is this book for? <laughs> if if I was to buy this book, who am I buying this book for, and where can I buy it? Would Would it be okay if I if I read a little excerpt from it? One hundred percent. Jennifer, are we allowed to do that? Oh, I think so. I, I think I'd like to read an excerpt because I've explained some, Jennifer's explained some, and now you can just hear what we're talking about when we say this is the language that we're using when we're explaining honestly and age appropriately. Okay. This is from Our World as a Family. Out March 8th, 2022. All around the world, people speak different languages. Hello, ni hao, hola, ciao, salam, allo. Shalom, bonjour. No matter what language they speak, people everywhere want to feel safe and loved and important. But there are places in the world where it stops being safe for people to live. Sometimes it becomes so unsafe that children can't go to school and parents can't go to work and no one can play outside. When that happens, people might need to leave home and move to a new part of the world. They might move by foot by bus or by plane, they might travel a long way to find a place where it is safe and quiet. When they finally arrive, they might miss their old home. Maybe they had to leave behind special things and special people. Maybe their new home doesn't feel like home at all. When we see someone new in our neighborhood, how can we help them to feel safe and loved and important? How can we tell them you're not alone? And Lovely. I'm going to stop it there because it's a, I don't want a spoiler alert because there's lots of ways that we then give with beautiful imagery. And this is um, meant to be a guidebook for not just the kids, but the parents who are going to be reading it to them to simplify it. This is not about a global refugee crisis. This is about going back to the basics. How do you show up for someone? How do you see someone who feels invisible? Um, this book is available for pre-order um, on Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Um, the title is Our World is a Family. And um, this is me and Jennifer's gift to the world. It's a very important message that we believe very deeply in. And I, as one of the frontliners working with resettling families, I can tell you this matters. Um, mm -hmm. How our children approach welcoming somebody who's new in their classroom or in the playground that is going to ripple effect. It creates connections that are memorable. And it actually can counteract some of the traumatic effects of migration mm -hmm. for kids yeah. and their parents. So that's why this is this is important. Yeah, because they are find, Americans um, too. And, and we need to take care of other um, Americans, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, you can find yeah. it um, on maryslist.org slash our world is a family. It's a landing page that you can see the description again and um, the links and everything like that. That sounds yeah. like an awesome book, too, to like buy for your kid's classroom, buy for your um, like this, your Sunday school classroom, your Saturday school classroom, right? Uh, for your temple, for your church. Um, and uh, do you have a... Um, where can people find you um, on social media and where can they find Is there a place, uh, for example, for your book on social media? So Mary's List can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, um, at just at Mary's List, M-I-R-Y-S-L-A-S-T. Um, we don't have a specific social media page for, for the book yet. It's just the general Mary's List one. Perhaps we'll make one. Um, and then Jennifer can be found on social media at Jennifer Jackson Books. Is that right? Yeah, jenniferjacksonbooks.com has all the links to all the socials. But that's a good spot to just go to, and it'll have everything. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, you two. It, it has been uh, awesome to get to just hang out with you and uh, and hear about all the stuff that you're doing. And uh, and it's always nice uh, to get a reminder that um, high-functioning ladies who get shit done still have uh, shitty parenting uh, days, uh, as we all do. Um, <laughs> Jennifer... You were doing a great job. I hope someone has told you that recently. Sorry, you're doing a great me. job. Thank you. Oh, thanks, friend. Thank so you. True. And Miri, you're doing a great job. 
Good job. You. you followed well, that's because through. <laughs> I'm 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 on day five of my kids being somebody else's problem. So this internal <laughs> chill that you're hearing is this is five days in the making. Like mm. my house is no no one has walked <gasps> on the carpet in the living room in days. Like it's been it's been it's been wonderful. This is really making an argument for divorce. <laughs> we hear you, Mary. We all get divorced now. I get it. No, just co-parenting. Uh, just co-parenting. I know. <laughs> it's great. Uh, if you like Why Mommy Drinks and you want to support the show, please go to Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, and leave us a glowing review. Check out our sponsors and the Why Mommy Drinks Patreon. Follow and like Why Mommy Drinks on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Also, I want to hear what broke you. So email me your shit shows or leave a message on our hotline. Copy with your shit show. 424-279-884. Copy with your shit show. 424-279-884. Copy with your shit show. 424-279-8842. And all of this information is in the written description of this episode. Well, uh, everyone listening, uh, you know, I know Mary and Jennifer through my mom's group. And if you're still looking for your online home, I hope you come over to the um, Why Mommy Drinks Facebook group because there's lots of really lovely people over there. Very supportive. I wanted to create a, a community not unlike the one that Mary and Jennifer and I are in. And uh, and I wanted to create it for you. And I think uh, so far so good. So come on over there and, uh, you know, meet your tribe. Um, well, everyone... Uh, if, if you find yourself, uh, <laughs> feeling just sheer relief from your child's anaphylactic shock from a bee sting, <laughs> or, um, if you find yourself, uh, throwing a shoe in a dumpster with white hot rage, or if you find yourself, uh, just wearing a shirt that says resist, persist, Stop fucking talking to me. Just know that you are doing a great job. My mommy drinks. Imagine a podcast. Now, imagine a musical. Now, imagine the two of them made one million babies. Well, you don't have to imagine it because it's real and it has a name. One million musicals. Each month, we bring you a brand new, original podcast musical featuring talent from across Broadway, films, and TV. You'll hear tales of spooky ghosts, Wild West shootouts, adventures on the high seas, and much, much more. One million musicals. Only a few hundred thousand to go. A Campfire Media Podcast. Campfire.